0: Welcome to this episode of Circle of Traits. I'm Todd Studer. In the studio today, Travis Waldstein, Air Service Heating and Air Conditioning of Council Bluffs. Welcome back to the studio, sir. I wouldn't explain what happened, but you know we're just going to keep that a mystery. How about that?
1: Yeah, it's, we're going to call it boomerang.
0: <laughs> are you, you're you're not having a groundhog day kind of feeling right uh, now.
1: No, it's a boomerang type of day. It, d- it only does it once. So just just yeah, one time. Yeah, we're not doing the groundhog thing.
0: Now. No, it's gonna it's gonna come back, hit you in the back of the head, and that's how that's gonna work. How's all of this heat that we're getting right now? Because as we're recording this, we're in the middle of a heat wave where we are at in Western Iowa. So how is that affecting everything that's going on with Airserve?
1: We're busy. Yeah, <laughs> we're busy. The calls are crazy, and people do not like it hot. It's shocking. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, it's it's hot. It's good. Lots of stuff. 99 degrees in Iowa. Late July, you know. Should have had this weather seven weeks ago, but, yeah, got lots of customers. I got to go do an estimate after this, and, you know. Well,
0: look on the bright side. You're not currently on a bicycle. Traveling to the east on your way to the Mississippi River.
1: Yeah, I'm also not. At, I also don't have my portable station in a band box. It's about 140 degrees.
0: Say, <laughs> <laughs> so you brought a guest into the studio today.
1: Yeah, I did. I did. It's my it's my loving son Harley. So we we talk about him once in a while. We so. do. Yeah. Yeah, we do. So brought him in today to, you know, talk about our circle of trades, talk about a little bit about what he does and, 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 you know, what his life is like and talk about, you know, stuff like in he did in high school. They kind of got him to this point and that, you know, was, was, as we, him and me have taught, you don't necessarily have to go to school, you know, to maybe not get in his position right away. But if you want to get into the sector where he's in, there's avenues, and so, Harley, how are you doing today?
2: Hi, I'm good. Live and in living color. It's Harley, Travis's son, visiting from the West Coast. I have been living in Seattle for the last two years, working in a tech-based role. And as as Travis mentioned, that's what we're going to be talking about today.
0: What got you back here, Harley? I mean, you, you decided to come back when it was just the hottest that it could possibly be. So why, is it just a visit to folks?
2: Well, you know, I'm a little bit of a glutton for punishment. I decided I need... It was too nice a weather in Seattle. I'm a big runner. I needed to run where it was hot. I wanted to melt while I was running. So I came during a heat wave. In fact, I probably brought the heat with me.
0: That, That, well... Is it working? I mean, is, have you gotten out and done any running and it, the melting has started to happen?
1: I have 10 miles this morning. No. Uh, how, yeah. How was the run on Meadowview Parkway going through there? Was that nice and hot and sweaty? It was nice and hot and sweaty. I'll say that
0: much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, your role Harley that, that you have now, I mean, growing up with a father that's in the trades, you went a different route and and decided that this was, you, you wanted to pursue something different with your career. So uh, elaborate a little bit more about what it is that you do.
2: Yes, so I of course grew up with Travis as my father in my household. I had a lot of exposure to the HVAC trades, working in the office, things like that. But as part of that, I got exposure to some other sides of the business that people don't think about. Things like running Travis's computers, making sure the employees had iPads that could work, had printers that could work. And I found myself through that and some personal interests that I had making my way into the IT space. And currently what I do in Seattle is I write software. Mm
1: Yeah. One of the things he did early on is he turned all our platform to a Google platform because at that time he thought that Microsoft was the devil. So now I'm not sure he feels (laughs) that way now, but you know, at that time he was definitely a Google guy. And so, you know, so every time my franchise screws up or has a problem, I said, you know, I have a son that went to a real university and a real high school that if you actually need something done. I can call him, but he doesn't work for free. So, <laughs>
0: well, and we we should mention that, yes, while you did not follow your dad into that business, he did get you to go to his school of choice, I'm sure.
1: Correct. Yes.
0: <laughs> University of Iowa.
1: <laughs> yep. So he spent, well, you were there two, what, two and a half years? Yes. Uh huh. Yes.
2: Yeah. I, I did some local schooling. I did two years at Iowa Western, which is another one of the excellent local council bluffs in Iowa two-year colleges, and then another two and a half years at the University of Iowa.
1: He graduated from Iowa Western before he graduated from Lewis Central. Really? And this was at a time where that wasn't supposed to happen. You know, now it's like they're trying to get everybody to do it. Oh, no, his junior year high school, he took like 23 credits one semester at Iowa Western, and he's still going to high school technically. I got a bill for like twenty three hundred dollars I'm like, well I thought they were supposed to cover this Oh I maxed out my credits and I took eight more. I found that out when it was time for when it needed to be paid
0: So how old were you Harley when you graduated with your bachelor's
1: I was 20 I you
0: you graduated from the University of Iowa at the age of 20
1: yes. Yeah, he had to have a fake ID to go to the bars.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm beginning to understand why it is that you you went down the field that you did because uh, you you got two things going on here. One, you got to have the brain power to do it, but you also have to have the drive. And that is uh, those two things together – Typically is going to equal a fairly successful career, and I think Travis, as you've talked about, that you're seeing that in your son here.
1: Yeah, we, we want the flavored ramen. It will not be a problem in his house. <laughs> no, you so might even be able to mix in a little bit of stir fry, a little bit of bacon once in a while. So.
0: Yeah, you know, it's not actually flavored; it's just different colored salt. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, talk a little bit about what it is that you do, Harley, because and you. you touched on it briefly, but there's a lot of things that you learned growing up where you did that have now translated into what seems to be a completely different field, but maybe not as much as folks may realize.
2: Yes. So I write software. I'm, I'm here representing myself today, but I currently work for Amazon out in Seattle. And what we do when we write software, first and foremost, is we're trying to solve a business need. So, for example, the team I work on, what we're trying to do is help sell products. And so I write software that essentially helps a merchant represent a list of products in their catalog of things they sell. But more specifically, the skills that I'm talking about today and the skills that are broadly applicable in a technology career are the ones that you might see in, like, an HVAC trade or any other trade, which is you have some customer need. You say in the HVAC trade, you need to provide heating, cooling, hot water, something like that. you got technical skill and you need to solve the customer's immediate problem of we have a gap. Either the HVAC is not working or we want to make it better. And you use your technical skills and your debugging skills to make that happen. So lots of similar thinking similar processes just
1: much different execution yeah we're, we're for me it's troubleshooting it's screwdrivers and Fluke voltmeters meters and probes you know we're troubleshooting on air conditioner furnace or we're trying to measure velocity as far as duct work is concerned that that kind of stuff you know where you, it's your 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 hand tools is your keyboard, and you take it. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you're taking a code or a series of codes or whatever it is that you're doing, and he's troubleshooting it that way.
0: It's still the same path in the brain, though. I mean, it, it, from one thing to the next, it's just different ways of getting there. But you're still, it takes the same type of skills.
1: Yeah, I could not fear that A plus. A plus B equals fifteen. I was not good with algebra. I failed algebra my freshman year of high school. He's got a college math degree, so he figured out the A plus B equals fifteen. Forget it. I I I'm an applied person. He can. He's got the theory behind it. So,
0: well, one other thing though is that you are working for a large corporation, Harley, and your dad is an entrepreneur. So that that is a different. Type of shift because it is different when you're working inside of an existing organization as opposed to being the person in charge and, and kind of running the entire ship.
2: Mm-hmm. Correct. And There are different skill sets that you need. Really, a smaller corporation, excuse me, a smaller business like your sole proprietorship, your maybe your five, 10 person company, you're going to be exposed to a lot more things. There just aren't that many people to do all those jobs. So you're a man with many hats. Mm -hmm. And so that was sort of the environment I came up in. I was just individually interested in making these things happen. That was something that Travis and Amy, my mother, they would make a, When I was young, they'd let me cannibalize old computers, play with things, let me explore my individual interests, but as well, I was also given opportunities to solve business needs he had, like, hey, make this work for my employees, or, like, set up printing, or, like, get me a program that will work correctly for payroll. And I was able to, in that way, Mm -hmm. figure out the central philosophy or the central skill of a successful software developer, which is to figure out how to speak to your customer, identify their problem, and build that for them, build a solution for them to that problem in an efficient way for both yourself, your customer, and their bottom line.
1: And I would add to that, you know, talking about the payroll stuff. I forgot about you helping us build that. But something that's simple, you know, as your mother says, most people learn and understand at a fifth grade level. Not knocking anybody and saying they're, you know, they're not smart or anything. But a lot of times if you're not an expert, at, that's what most people comprehend it at. And that's the thing I think that you probably deal with at Amazon. You have to have this high level thinking. But as I, as the end user goes on, let's say I want to go buy something on Amazon online. It's got to be idiot-proof enough for someone like me to be able to do it. Am I I correct in that statement?
2: Correct. One of the key things is figuring out where your customer's at and being able to meet them there.
0: Mm -hmm. What was it like growing up knowing that you were not, didn't really have the passion for the trades that your dad did, but going a different direction? Did your parents support you in
2: that? Yes, yes, they did. And I went sort of the more traditional route to get into computer science. I know one of the things I want to talk about later are some of the skills that I picked up there and how I did get them in a traditional way. But there are ways that perhaps you could do them in a faster way, a way that might be more accessible to people than just going a two-to-four-year two schooling route. But I picked up these skills working with Travis forgive me I'm, I'm forgetting the question now can you remind me what i'm
0: answering <laughs> no no that's fine about what it was like growing up and being encouraged in something outside of the trades Because you we were talking about your parents supporting you as as you were doing this
1: well i'm going to throw this in here doing the scrap metal of course the kids got to keep the scrap metal right but generally harley was not the first one jumping out to go do the scrap metal you know <laughs> he'd do lots of other stuff right but it's like no that sucks that's that's not work i don't want to be doing that so yes. and and
2: to a- answer the question i was very fortunate that if the opportunity if the opportunity was there to work for travis to learn the trade for example i have a twin brother who he did do that he spent some time with travis learning about the basics of like HVAC installation, service. service, all things of that nature, and picking up those skills. Or even uh, simpler, more office-based tasks like filing and general admin, all of the composite pieces that make up a business. And so we had opportunities. We had equivalent opportunities, but I was always leaning towards the office side or eventually the programming side. There was a lot of interest there, and Travis and Amy were very very much in the realm of you can do what you want. We will make these available to you and your brother and my younger sibling as well. We want lots of fairness in terms of what you can do, but they were very good at encouraging me to explore interests like this and seeing if they could turn into something. And there were opportunities that presented themselves, such as local internships, local job offers, things like that. And they gave me the resources and the skills via working with them as I was growing up to be able to take advantage of those opportunities and make them work for myself.
1: He had opportunities to take some stuff in theory. That mean, may, he, he maybe learned in class or listen, go into a day school or a week school, whatever, camp or club or whatever he's on, on. And because of what I do, it's like, okay, hey, I think I could do this. And he could put what he learned you know, at a classroom or a it put in a the theory, you know. And I, I think for, you know, with his background, that has nothing with for, with him going to Iowa or Iowa Western. And I think, as I said, the degree looks good. It probably gets you noticed if you want to get into an organization like Amazon. But as you were just kind of talking a little bit, it's a lot of stuff that you did growing up that wasn't university-based but was the software development, learning different things, that got, you, that got you the skill set to where you're at today.
2: Correct, and that's actually a lot of what I wanted to talk about today. As I mentioned, I took a rather traditional route into writing software. I did, obviously, high school classes. I had some interest there, did like a robotics club and some different things, and then a two-year university, excuse me, a two-year college, and then a four-year university to finish up my degree. But... One of the interesting i things I observed after having come out of that and now having worked full-time for four to five years is that a lot of the skills that I picked up and the skills that were most valuable to me, really the ones that I would call the most central to writing software are the things that I discussed about, is figuring out who your customer is, what their problem is, and being able to work with them to develop a solution that you can build for them and that will solve their problem in a way that is functional for them. So those are core skills, and those are skills that are not necessarily super effectively taught in a two- to four-year classroom environment. These are much more effectively taught in things like on-the-job training, internships, building projects yourself, or alternative paths to getting some sort of certificate that shows your functional decoding, something like a coding boot camp, which is a interesting phenomenon that has been showing up in the programming world in the last, oh, probably 10 years, perhaps even longer. But it Really, coding bootcamps are actually what I wanted to talk about today because there's an open question in the computer science community, in the programming community, of do you need a two-year degree, four-year degree, master's degree? A lot of people say no because the functional skills in terms of learning one programming language and learning how to make something useful in that, lots of universities have a class or two that talk about that and address those skills and let you do some of that. But that's not necessarily the only way to lose, learn those skills. And those, as I mentioned, are the most central skills of a job like this. And there are places you can get access to that elsewhere via a thing like a coding bootcamp, which is a local institution usually that has a classroom type structure where you take classes on very career-oriented skills, as in learning a specific language, maybe learning a specific web framework so you can make a website or learning something about databases so you can move data around and usually these are very purposely, purpose specific skills and tools that are designed to get you an introduction to the specifics of using that technology but the idea of how to use that to write functional software because that is first and foremost what you're doing in an industry setting. The other things that you learn at university they're nice and they're maybe a good 10 to 15 percent of an additional context that do make you a more well-rounded and more effective programmer, but you don't necessarily need those at the start of your career, and they don't necessarily need to be blocking you from entering into the workforce. Hmm. You could perhaps go to a coding boot camp and have a job writing software and making a software developer-level money in six months to a year, as opposed to two to four years getting an equivalent university degree.
1: I think about... And I am this, you know, the thing about the military and, and the people that are looking for now as far as software and IT and counter espionage and all that wonderful stuff, you know. And the thing that just popped in my head was hackathons, you know. you know, you don't have to have a college degree to go to a hackathon. Well, what does hackathons be? These are people that, it sounds terrible, that are trying to break code or break software, trying to break in or backdoor into something. Well, they probably don't teach that in school, I'm guessing.
2: Exactly, you might at a university do something similar, But that's not part of the curriculum, and it really probably shouldn't be. Things like technology...
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's that too. But
2: the technology is moving so quickly that institutions like coding schools, coding dojos they're sometimes called, they're smaller, they're scrappier, and they can move quicker than a large university and a large university curriculum. Hmm. A lot of times by the time a two- to four-year university finalizes this curriculum, it may be five years, ten years old, and technology is moving at a month-by-month Day by day oh. pace, the 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 things that are solidified in that curriculum maybe are not what's valuable anymore by the time
1: students are getting to them.
0: That's you know? a really good point. Yeah,
1: and I think that's a big thing. You know, I, I've mentioned military defense, but lots of other stuff. It, it's like because it is moving so fast. Yeah, you know, you you'd say it, that eighteen to twenty year old kid that's been, you know, doing this coding, and you talk about you know you start you start from your base and you learn out, but you take that kid. You know, he goes to school for two years or four years. You know, was did that really did that really help him, or did it really help him as far as what he's doing? Mm. I I mean, if it, and it's just in the real world. I mean, there's reasons why you know people like like the Department of Defense, NASA. You know, some of your you know I I don't know if Amazon does, but I guess I guess Microsoft, maybe Google, probably sometimes look for these people because obviously they have skill sets. That aren't going to be developed in the classroom, you know, and hopefully there are people you can find, you know, they go and hack stuff because they want to do it. They don't want to necessarily take down the earth. They don't want to, you know, they don't want to bankrupt everybody, but they have a skill set. They want to be challenged and they they already have that skill set. And it's something, it, it can be learned, but it's not a traditional it's not traditional learn.
2: Mm. And you see that expectation reflected in things like hiring practices. Having worked in and been a part of hiring loops to hire new employees in technology roles at Amazon and other companies, uh, one of the things I have observed is that people may look at the educational background of a specific person and factor that into their hiring decisions, but a lot more people are interested in the specific job experience and the specific functional skills they have can you write software can you do it well can you do it efficiently in a way that won't break and these are things that really don't necessarily have anything to do with a university background and are better reflected by on the job assessments or like part assessments as part of your hiring loop similarly to how you might hire for a tradesman yeah.
1: I learned something, I read this yesterday somewhere, it must have been on my phone, but they were talking about people that hire, as far as, you know, people are trying to get technology, and now you'll have a resume, but then they will do what they call clear letter or white letter, and they know that machines are going through reading this stuff, and so they'll type out keywords in white letter, and you won't see it if you're reading it per se, but if you type these words and they do that to get through the machine process... So they could get to the next level of hiring process. Is that pretty prevalent? Have, do you know what I'm talking about? I would guess
2: that it's probably not super prevalent, but in today's job market, it can be difficult to get a job. And obviously, technology jobs, they're, they're interesting, they can be pretty comfortable, and they can be pretty well compensated. So I would say, yes, people can sometimes be crafty and how they get past that first barrier to entry, which is that, that robot that scans for resumes.
0: <laughs> Harley, you'd said something earlier about the conversation is happening, whether these boot camps are an effective way to get quality employees into a company. Is it still in the conversation stage, or are you starting to see people enter into the field that went that route and don't have the traditional four-year degree?
2: I can't name a specific super famous programmer that doesn't have a degree, but they're out there. In truth, actually, a lot of the most famous people who like built super foundational software packages or like did interesting or exciting things, their educational background is all over the place. Mm-hmm. And you see big movers and shakers in the technology space. For example, a billionaire, Th- Peter Thiel, who is a big investor in different technology companies and a thought leader in the technology space. He is one of the proponents of this in that you it, it's all about efficiency. We need software developers. Almost every business Business in America could benefit from someone who can write software, or in general, utilize technology to build effective solutions for them.
1: Neighborly Airserve, are you listening? <laughs> 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 Sorry, I had to throw that out there because it is so friggin' true. I mean, it, it is every it, it, wait, this isn't fifty years ago. You know.
0: Right. You know. Well, it's not even four years ago. Like you talked about, a traditional four-year degree. By the time you have graduated, because universities can't adjust that quickly mm-hmm. as the boot camps that you talk about do, and with technology advancing as quickly as it is, I, I don't see how this doesn't switch in the industry and become about that as opposed to the traditional way because it has to just to be able to keep up.
2: Mm-hmm. And there are different schools of thought on it and there are different trade-offs to both routes. With a traditional four-year degree, you get about half of your time spent on things that aren't necessarily related to your major or your specific career interests. And there are lots of reasons this is the way it is, but for someone who maybe thinks those things are nice but is trying to be tactical about a degree, those are perhaps things that they're not so interested in. And so the university courses that are available in university Curriculum does do good things for building very rounded software developers. So, someone who maybe has the time and resources to attend a program like that, it could be interesting for them. It could, for example, help them get through an interview, or it could help them to have a deeper foundation of how all the things work together to make a computer work and make a technology solution work. But, like I said, not everyone is is touching that information all the time. For example, I in my day-to-day, I write websites. I don't need to know how the chip in a computer works. I learned that while I was in college, and that's interesting and foundationally helps me understand how the computer works as part of a bigger picture. But that has almost zero bearing on what I'm doing day-to-day as a software developer, whereas the things I do use, like how to write a website, how to write a database, those are things that you can pick up in a coding bootcamp style environment fairly quickly and be hitting the ground running. And you can pick up this interesting arcana, this interesting background information about like the underlying foundations later when it becomes relevant to you.
1: Here's a question I got, and this just popped to my head. I think as someone that's in high school or hasn't gone to school for it, that's doing this stuff. And don't take me wrong when I say this. I kind of think it's kind of like unstructured or freelance But it also seems to me that with technology and software development, there's a lot of structure. Correct me if I'm wrong. But you have to be able to, with your job, is your job really structured as far as how you build stuff? I mean, there's certain ways you have to do certain things. I do get that. Or is it a case to where to make something work, you've got to be able to have that freelance ability to be able to come up with ideas, to develop a structure and is that easier for somebody that's maybe not been through a formal education or been harder because if you're out making a website let you know like i said hi i'm here versus hey we need to build a software because the amazon wants to sell widgets to somebody in zimbabwe or whatever you know they want to do how much does structure versus unstructured affect what you what you do
2: so it's important to remember that we're all using tools made by people who came before us. And so the tools in a tradesman's trade box might be like a multimeter or a screwdriver, but the tools in a programmer's box, it really depends on what specific problem they're trying to solve. But like in terms of websites, there are, there are things like HTML and other things that, that come together to make a functional application. And... A person does not need to reinvent the earth every time they solve a problem. They maybe just need to learn one specific way of doing things, like how to make a website. And what you'll see as you get into a technology field, or perhaps into a trade field in general, is... A lot of things are very similar. I'm going to use programming languages as an example. A lot of times people, when they are first learning a programming language, it can be a big conceptual leap. There are lots of things you're figuring out about how to think about programs in terms of a set of instructions that the computer follows in order, how to properly mentally map that and do something useful with it. But then once you have that in one language, you could pick up a second language. And there might be some small idiosyncratic differences, like you might use different punctuation or what have you. But at the core of both of those languages is that same algorithmic thinking. So once you know how to do it once, you've learned a language. Once you know have done it, learned how to do it a second time in a different languages, Excuse me. In a different language, you know how to learn languages, and that's one of the most valuable skills in a technology job, and probably in a trade job as well. Is the ability to learn how to learn new things.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. I think what what you're showing here, Travis, by uh, Harley and by you coming in today, is that we have a general thinking in society that it, it's been blue collar versus white collar, and they're opposites. They're not. There is so many commonalities with this. So Travis, when you've talked over the course of these episodes with this podcast about just wanting young people to consider the trades as an option, mm-hmm. there are so many things that are common on both sides. And by bringing Harley in today, I, th- I think you have really put a spotlight on this in a way that I typically haven't heard Mm -hmm. Uh, before you know because micro's out there talking all the time about micro works and about bringing the blue collar industry back but i don't think with what we've done here today i don't think he's ever really touched on that that it's not an either or kind of thing it Mm -hmm. it it is it's really just a slight little shift but there's so much of the base that is exactly the same on both sides
1: i I, it someone has you know someone has to do with you know, and I kid about me failing Algebra 1. That
0: was self-induced, by the (laughs) way. Well, yeah. (laughs) I failed physics for the same reason. We
1: we, we won't talk about good times (laughs) at Spencer High School. We'll leave it at that. So, But, you know, a lot of the similarities as far as what I do for a job and a skill set as far as, I say a mental skill set, is a lot similar to what his his is. Like I said, the, the one, probably one big difference is I'm an applied person. So I need to be able to see it look at it. You know, if you give me a tape measure and it's 10 inches here and it's minus three here, it's seven. I can do that. No problem all day long. I address her and do all that. But when you do algebra or, you know, even geometry, when you use letters, I, I, it just does not, that does not shift or comprehend for me. Now him, he, listen, that's right up his alley. He looks at that, and goes, Oh yeah, it's this. I, me, I'm like, shut the book, be done. <laughs> but the same, but the same skill set, it doesn't change a whole lot of what you do. It's just how you understand it and then how you want to apply it and how you want to use it. So, I mean, hardly when he wants to, Harley's not, I would say isn't, he's not, mechan- he can be mechanically inclined. I've seen him do stuff and, and put stuff together. But, you know, he's pretty good at it, actually, but but what he's really proficient at is with the software development, and it's because I can do it here, but he can do it here with keypad. You know, or look at the computer and he can see it much better at that where I can't.
0: Well, it's I, just not your passion, right? Yeah. I mean, and that's it's not that you don't have that skill set and you rely on some of those same skills, but the way your dad does things is just that's not where your passion is. Your passion is in a different direction. Mm-hmm. And I think the fact that your parents recognize that and encourage that, you know, well done.
1: I, you know, we moved here to, to Council Boston Lewis Central when they were in fourth grade and they were out at HST. You know, first three, four years, solid baseline curriculum but i i will say this you know was lewis central perfect no but it opened up for all three of my kids a lot of opportunities being close to the city being close to iowa western being close to some of the stuff downtown with the businesses and stuff to where they have internships and stuff to where you know if he would have nothing against hst but them opportunities were not here for someone like him i think he would have been very bored if we'd have been in HST because he wasn't
0: being, just wasn't yeah, it wasn't being challenged.
1: He wasn't being challenged, and you know, so we we you know we made that decision. Like I said, when the kids wanted to do stuff, you know, very very seldom did I say no. I remember the one time I did tell him though, no. and you know, I'll share this with him. He kind of went to go to Brownell Talbot in seventh grade. Well, Brownell Talbot's a prep school, right, in, in Omaha, and I'm like, I looked at it. It was in Omaha. We were at the home every day. His twin brother's going to Lewis Central, and it's like, eh. And we knew about the program with the college credits. I'm like, prep school's great, but here's the deal. You can conceivably have a two-year degree before you're done with high school. And you can do this, and you can do that. So, you know, at the time, I think he hated his dad's guts because I was the one that got to tell him no. <laughs> but I but I think if he looks back on it now, it wasn't that I didn't want to go to brown Talbot. I just saw it as a limited opportunity to where he could experience so much more stuff. And then it was a year later, you went to a couple of summer camps in Iowa for like training and you did stuff with Gallup and different. So, I mean, if there was, if there was a math camp or science camp or something like that, can I go dad? You know, it's just, here's the paperwork, sign it for me. Where are we going this time? <laughs> you know, and, and you know, we didn't say no because why limit, why limit any of our kids opportunities?
0: Well, and then I congratulate you, Harley, on finding your passion and even realizing that with your current position, it's not in the Midwest. You found, you found a place that you feel like is more of a fit for who you are, and you went after it, and well done. I, I think that it's a, a, a testament to everyone involved, and I'm giving kudos to your parents just because I'm a parent, but to you as well. I mean, because ultimately, they may give you the opportunity. You still have to do the work, and you did it. So uh, congratulations on that.
2: Thank you. It it takes a village. And my parents, they were very supportive. I, myself, as I'd mentioned, was very interested. But the environment around me made a difference. And Amy and Travis, with, uh, for example, the Story like Brown, they showed me that even though I don't always get to choose the specific environment I want, there is opportunity everywhere. And you can use it to... Uh, learn new things and do interesting things at, at all levels. And there, there are different ways to get into it. Like I, I followed a pretty traditional route. But having come through that, I think the biggest takeaway I want to leave our listeners with is that you don't necessarily need to follow the lockstep recommendation of like do this then this then this there are different ways to get into it and really the i think the final message is there's where there's a will there's a way and there are resources to get into trades and into technology jobs all you really need is the willingness to learn the mindset and learn the tools and you will go far in whatever profession you choose
1: yeah and that's that's very true there's more than one way to skin a cat you know, you're up on a rooftop, it's minus 10 outside and you got a problem that's kind of scratching your head, You put a big old chalk of Copenhagen in, life feels better. You know what? You could fix freaking anything. So, Who's it, skinning cats? Yeah, it's a Superman theory. So, you know, so.
0: Well, Harley, I hope uh, next time you're in the area, you come back. I hope that you think ahead and bring coffee with you next time from Seattle. I mean, come on. But. Thank you very much for some great insight. I think that we've touched on some things here that I haven't really, I haven't heard before, but it's spot on. So thank you both. Yes, Harley.
1: Thank you. Appreciate it. And uh, yeah, hey, have fun out there, listening.
0: I know. As we're recording this, I still have another couple of days of a baking, but we're supposed to get a cool down tomorrow.
1: Yeah. Well, it, so. well, yeah. What ninety four? Oh yeah.
0: I think it's at eighty eight. Yeah, I'll take it. Yeah, I'll, yeah, take it. Yeah, I'll take it. We'll see about it. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Circle of Trades. We're back again with a new episode next week. Until then, take care.